and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Oh, it's drilled home by Steve Davis. Here, then he comes Matheson. Oh, he scored! And now it's Thompson. That is a hugely important goal, which may just keep Rochdale in League One. Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean and I'm joined, as always, by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, mate? Top of the world, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad, Sarah, not bad. And Luke's with us as well. Luke, how are you, mate? Thank you, Dean. I'm good. Back back slumming it with us now after uh, your press box um, prawn sandwiches on Saturday, yeah. That's where I belong, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We never ask you how you are, Dean. Oh, mate. I was refreshing that, Chaff. I'm always good to see you guys and chat a bit of Dale. Well, not so much <laughs> last season, but um, it's always good to, to to get on Zoom and have a chat about what's going on at Dale. And uh, we finally have some football to talk about as well, lads, because it was the first game of the season on Saturday. Obviously, we didn't get the result that we were after with we a 3-2 defeat at Harrogate. But, Chaff, um, for a first game and with so many new signings through the door just in a, in a matter of days before the game, were you quite pleased with the performance? Did you see positives to take from it? I saw positives, yeah. Um, I saw negatives. I saw old negatives that have reappeared and never seemed to go away, namely Jim McNulty. Poor defensively, mistakes, but I saw plenty going forward um, and plenty of reason to be positive with the attacking element of our game as well, I think. Um, I think Udu was superb. Um, real exciting prospect. I thought Newby was excellent. A goal and assist. You can't really ask for much more than that. Beasley works his nuts off. Um, and even behind them, I thought Dooley was okay. I thought Connor Grant did okay for the most part and got himself a goal. Um, yeah, plenty, plenty of positives going forward. Same issues defensively, but when you consider that most of that back line haven't played together before. Um, and you've got Jim in there when ideally you'd have O'Connell instead, um, but he's injured. And I understand completely why Stockdale went with McNulty over um, the two new lads lining up together um, from an experience point of view. So I don't blame him for that. I'd have probably done the same. But yeah, it was just a, a mistake from Jim and... Yeah, there's plot, there's positives there, and it was fantastic to get back to to an away end after all this time. I've missed that. I've missed the people, and yeah, it was yeah, it was brilliant. Even the result aside, I thought it was it was a brilliant day, brilliant day. Yeah, and Luke, it, it could have been so much more as well, couldn't it? Because that goal came so late, and their other two goals came in the opening ten minutes. It feels like there's a real opportunity missed because I'd say for the. 70 minutes in between those, we were probably the better side. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought we were, um, I can only really second what, what Chaff said. I think in many respects, as I, I don't I don't think we'll see this this season, but it was very much like a game, you know, one or two games that we kind of encountered last year where, you know, we're 2-1 down in, in the opening 15 minutes. It was all a bit kind of crazy, wasn't it? But, um the positives were, were was our forward attacking play for sure. Um, 
it's good to see kind of Udu was a little bit of the unknown, wasn't he? Because we didn't really see much of him last season. Um, so it's good to see him come in and, and kind of look a threat. Um, I think probably just kind of, um, I know he picked up a knock and I think he picked it up really because um, he was causing a few issues for, for Harrogate and um, they kind of took him out in a non-dangerous part of the pitch and uh, left one in on him. Uh, it was quite a clever foul by the, uh, by the captain. So... Um, yeah, I mean, plenty of positives. Again, like Chaff said, really, I thought Taylor and Jim really struggled with the physicality of Muldoon and Armstrong. And to be honest with you, the, we are going to come up against more physical strikers this season as well. Um, I think you can give Max Taylor the benefit of the doubt. I think he kind of grew into the game and he looks good, pretty decent on the ball, I thought, as well. Um, and hopefully it's just an aspect that, that he will need to, to probably improve on and, and learn. He probably hasn't come up against, you know, uh, many seasoned lower league strikers before. So um, hopefully he'll learn. But kind of, oh, I really like Jim. I think he's, he's a great asset to the football club. But, he, you know, there's no getting around it. He was he was really poor. Yeah, Chaffley kind of touched on the fact that we've dropped down a league now and it's going to be kind of more physical in terms of on the pitch. But off the pitch... Um, it's fair to say it felt like a little bit of a drop down as well and this is no disrespect to Harrogate but that way ends that stadium and even the the organisation before the game in terms of not finding out whether we could go or not until a few days before was really poor wasn't it? No disrespect to to Harrogate that was it wasn't ideal was it the, the whole ticket fiasco and the safety certificate fiasco etc um, and yeah it was a bit of a bump down but Let's remember where we are, really. Um, we're closer to the likes of Arrogate than we are to the likes of Sunderland and Ipswich. So um, I think we've got to remember that. And I don't know, I, I quite like grounds like that. It, it almost feels like when I went to watch Rochdale in like the late 90s and early 2000s and we were playing at places like Gay Meadow, um, and I used to love grounds like that, and it was a it was a nice, pleasant change to to go to a an authentic, smaller ground rather than one of these Lego built stadiums that you see at the likes of Colchester and and Shrewsbury, for example. Um, but yeah, it's without question the smallest league away end that I've ever been to. Um, but I, I really did quite enjoy it actually, and so did my little and and he. He stood and watched the game for the whole 90 plus minutes, which is a, a rarity. So it obviously engaged him as well, which is good to see. Um, and yeah, we it, we won't come up, we, we won't go to that many grounds as um, as small as that, will we? I don't think. Yeah, I'm kind of torn because I, I agree that I much prefer grounds like Gay Meadow to the New Meadow, for example, but I also quite like being able to see more than half the pitch. So that was a bit of an issue in that way. And uh, and also, I'm pretty sure I heard someone say that they ran out of bottled water before half-time, which is just... I don't, that just seems <laughs> incredibly disorganised if they knew they was going to have a pretty much full away end. But focusing on, on matters on the pitch, uh, Luke, um, what did we make of kind of the style of play and the game plan from Stockdale? We know already from what we've seen in the pre-season games and in, from his interviews that he's going to be more willing to mix it up, to go direct more often. Like there was a, the quote at the uh, at the fans' forum about not, not being bothered whether it's three passes or 50 passes, more about the right pass at the right time. 
Um, what did you make of that kind of game plan? Did you think it, it helped us going forward? Do we look more threatening? I thought we had the right balance. I thought we, um, in, in fairness, I, yeah, we did go long here and there, um, but Beasley were getting the better of McArdle in the air. He won a lot, so you might as well, you know, there's no messing about if we're, if we're exploiting them in, 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 in the final third in, in whatever way, then um, then you've got to kind of, you've got to go with that. But I thought we mixed it up. I didn't think it was all, you know, direct long balls. I thought kind of, um, we moved them about really well. Um, when we went 2-0 down, we, we, we really did kind of play well from that point onwards, really, I thought. Um, the the kind of technical attacking players for us, I thought, were quite fluid. Uh, so I thought Newby was kind of going inside a lot. Um, you know, Grant was getting on the ball and, and that's what we kind of, that's what I was looking for, for us to try and get that next goal back. And, and we got it. Um, and we got it through kind of, if I recall correctly, it, it was a long punt up in fairness and, and Beasley won the header and we went, we played from there. Um, so I was really impressed. I, I quite liked how sometimes an easier five-yard pass was on, but we played it, we played the more advanced pass uh, first time. So for example, uh, credit where credit's due for Jim, um, on our equaliser, he had an easy pass out to uh, to White at left back. Nice little five-yard pass, centre out to left back. Um, but he decided not to go for that. He played it into Udu straight away. Um, and then that created the, the, the opportunity for Udu to be one-on-one, not 1v2. Not um, and he was able to exploit it. And then, you know, the goal came from that because we won a corner and then subsequently we got the goal. So, um, yeah, I quite liked it. I think, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, first game of the season, it's hard to really kind of probably see the stamp that, that Stockdale's, Stockdale's trying to kind of put on the team. But... Um, it was energetic and we didn't kind of, you know, we we looked fluid and, I like, you know, we looked dangerous every time we went forward. I did feel as though it was a matter of time before we got back into that game. Josh, kind of focusing on, on a couple of players, I know you've both mentioned him briefly already, but um, Nolte's definitely got to come in for some criticism, hasn't he, for that first goal in particular. And, and just a general poor performance from the guy that you're expecting to kind of be the experienced head that guides these new lads through the first game? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a poor mistake, isn't it? it? gets caught in a really poor area of the pitch and you don't want... There's a reason that, that McNulty spoke about so often in a negative manner. It's not because he's poor every week, because he's not. Um, but he just has a habit of making these kind of errors. Um and I think with O'Connell in that team instead of McNulty, we'd probably win the game um, or at least come away with a point. So, yeah, it's it's not ideal. I mean, I wouldn't have offered him a contract myself personally, but he got one as a player coach. And I thought that would mean we'd see an awful lot less of him. And I think that's probably the plan, but O'Connell being injured has sort of scuppered that plan and we've only got Graham and and Taylor as the centre half options, which with more experience, a little bit more experience, you could probably risk playing them too. But great the both uh, Taylor's never played a league a football league game before before Saturday and Graham's played only a handful of games and they're both very young. So I get the the experience with the inexperienced partnership you just yeah it was the wrong way around weren't it I thought Taylor was much better 
um, outfought a little bit and bullied a little bit, but I think he will get a lot better. I think there was a bit of a baptism of fire going up against Muldoon and Armstrong, but I think I, I saw a lot of positives from Taylor. I thought his passing was excellent. I thought he's, he looked like a real ball player. Um, and he's a big lad as well. I didn't realise how big he was. Um, so I think we'll we'll see a lot better from him. And I don't really want to see Jim much more at all, to be fair. And I hope O'Connell's back fit for Saturday, which I think he probably will be going off Stockdale's comments. Yeah, it sounded like he was kind of 50-50 for the EFL game, which never happened. But he should be back for Saturday, which is massively encouraging. Um, Luke, it, it feels a little bit harsh to kind of single out the two players that, whose mistakes led to goals, but I also felt it was a, a difficult afternoon for Aaron Morley on Saturday. Took the armband in the absence of O'Connell and obviously with Rappo and having just moved on. Um, what, like I say, was kind of at fault for the second goal, but just generally it wasn't the kind of display we were hoping for from a man who I think we all mentioned the other week we were really hoping for big things from this season. Yeah, I actually thought he started the game quite well because um, I was kind of I was expecting a frantic start and we got one. Um, and I thought, right, this is all about getting our ball players on the ball to kind of dictate the pace a bit. And I thought his his couple of first touches in the game, first five minutes or so, were were, were quite good. But yeah, um, I think mean, again, it's it, I definitely don't want to kind of overreact to Mola's performance because again, it's only you know it's only the opening day. I think we can all kind of um, you know we can all appreciate that, but. It was his fault for the goal. He did well to intercept it, but you know, get rid. You know, don't try and intercept it and play out. Just, just play the percentages, especially when we're already one goal down and they've got a bit of momentum about them. You know, just, just clear it with the interception rather than trying to play out. I, you know, easy said in hindsight, but he should, that's what he should have done. Um, and yeah, I think Molly's one of them players where we're all looking towards kind of stepping up um, as being kind of one of our. One of our leaders, I suppose, he's one of the players who's kind of been at the club the longest for sure. Um, he will have wrapped up a fair amount of appearances now, but he's probably always played um, not second fiddle, but he's not had to be the leader. I don't feel um, in in the teams that he's been in. Whereas now, um, I think we are looking at kind of the lights of Aaron Morley to, to step up, and that's clear to see because he was given the armband. Um, so I don't think he was awful, but you know, one one facet of his game that I do feel so needed improving on, you know, and, and it was evident last season is that doggedness off the ball from Aaron Morley. And physique-wise, he's you know, he, he carries himself quite well. He looks like he's kind of filled out a bit more. But um, I want to see more bite. I want to see more aggression from him uh, in winning the ball. I think holding midfielder isn't just someone that can play you know, 30-yard passes, it's, it's only an intercept play, which actually I did think he did reasonably well um, at. He did pick up um, possession quite a fair bit, but I just want to see him stronger. I want to see him driving a bit more. I want to see more energy from him. I, th- I thought it was a performance that showed he was lacking confidence, I think. Um, that mistake early on, um, I think, affected him. And I think we've got to realise that... He is still only 21 um, and we're expecting an awful lot of him because he's one of the players that's come up through the ranks and he's looked, he, he looked excellent in that, that breakout season um, before the pandemic. And we're expecting more now that he's dropped down a division as well. Um, and I'm, 
fully expect to see a much better Aaron Morley. Um, but I think he's got to he's going he's going to need a couple of really good performances to get himself back on track, so to speak. Because um, I think he, I, I don't know whether you, you lads noticed, but on sat on Saturday when the final whistle went, he couldn't wait to get off the pitch. Um, he was like the first one at the at the gate, wanting to come off, and I thought that that to me looked like. He didn't look a happy bunny, to be to be fair, and I think it's probably a confidence thing. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a positive thing from Stockdale, Stockdale to give him the the armband, um, and that probably a deliberate thing to try and get the best out of him as well. Um, and I think I think we'll see a, a much better Aaron Morley. Yeah, I'm still confident that this will be a good season for Morley. I think one thing that winds me up a little bit about him, and I think I mentioned it a little bit before as well. He, um, he he still strikes me as the kind of player who thinks he's playing youth football in that he seems to think he's got half a second on the ball more than he does pretty much every time he has it. Um, and I don't know if he's still not quite adapted to the fact that he's going to be put under pressure a lot more at men's football. He's going to be fitter and more direct. And uh, he needs to be a little bit sharper on the ball for me, not just kind of physically, but mentally, just to get that ball moved a little bit quicker. Because um, when he does have space, you can you can see the quality that he has. Um, with his delivery and things like that. So, yeah, fingers crossed we'll see better of him in the next few weeks. Um, another huge positive, um, in my opinion, on, on Saturday, Traff was the performance of Alex Newby. We mentioned earlier, got a goal, got an assist, uh, well-taken goal and, a, and an excellent assist as well. Um, do you think maybe the, the, the step up for him from National League to League One last season, a struggling National League side in Charlie got relegated, um, up to League One was perhaps a bit too much and now in League Two we'll start to see the better of him um, I don't think it was too much because I still think he he delivered more than what I expected him to last season I think he's what, what did he get around seven goals six assists something like that so that's a good return I think coming coming from from the level that he was playing at but I do expect him to be better this season because um, we've dropped down the league, but I'd say that about pretty much every player in the squad, I think, um, who who survived from last season. So I'm expecting a very good season. I thought he was excellent on Saturday. Um, really creative, look really good on the ball. Um, evidently good with both feet. Um, we know that. It was good to actually see him in the flesh as opposed to just on a TV screen. And... Yeah, I was I was very impressed. His link-up play with Dooley for the first goal was brilliant. His creativity for the second goal was even better. That little that was a naughty little nutmegs um, on the edge of the box uh, before it it went over to Grant. And yeah, I thought it was I thought it was excellent. I'm really looking forward to seeing what else he can do this season. That was the the shining light for me on Saturday was Newbit and and Udo either side of Beasley. I thought they were both excellent. Um, and they, they, they both look like really exciting players to, to watch. And it's been a while since I've since I've been excited about an attacking option for, for Dale, I think. Let's touch on another one of that front three then, Luke, um, in Jay Beasley. Again, another one we mentioned um, earlier in passing, but uh, you could really see on Saturday, I don't know if you felt the same from where you were sat, but I think being in the ground, you can see that work rate that... that 
I think I spoke about Oli Rathbone in our last season that you maybe don't see it on the TV as much. And I felt like it was a similar thing with Jake Beasley. I, I never realised just how much ground he covered and also how many headers he actually did win. It was a tireless performance. Like, I mean, call me easily impressed, but I buzz off a player that's kind of chasing down defenders like that and not giving them a minute's rest. And a lot of that time, he's doing it on his own as a lone frontman. Um, I think if we are going to go into the season playing that 4 3 3, I think it, what's key is, is getting Beasley into the game as quickly as possible as the lone man. You don't want him isolated, but he showed a bit of everything, I thought. Um, he's just one of them. He's so committed. He's so committed to the point where, you know, he obviously picked up a booking, didn't he? And I thought, oh, can you adapt your game a little bit just to kind of ease off how, how committed you are? Because he's not a dirty player. No, I don't think, you know, I've not seen an ounce of that. But because of how committed he is, um, he does kind of toe the line uh, a little bit. But, you know, he was up against Rory McArdle. Um, first couple of minutes in the game, Rory McArdle were really aggressive with him, you know, winning the headers. And then, you know, after about you know, five, ten minutes... Beasley started kind of, I think he changed a little bit. Instead of going one-on-one with McArdle, he was kind of moving away from him to have the run on the header and it was working. Um, so really impressive Beasley, really like him. He's he's an important player um, and, you know, he's, dare I say, he's, he's, for me, given the kind of the way the squad shapes up at present, he's, I would say he's arguably our most important player as well. Yeah, I don't think you'd get many fans arguing with that, actually, because I think what he does is, like you say, if we can get the ball to him quickly, he can turn defence into attack um, with that physicality. And, and with players like Udu and Nubi running off him, um, it could be an exciting little trident. That. Um, Chaff. <laughs> it's, I, know it's Luke, I know it's Luke's smile because I said trident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chaff. Um, I think one last thing on the Harrogate game has to be said that the atmosphere, I thought, was very good in that away end. Just a real shame um, about the flare being thrown onto the pitch or the the smoke bomb, whatever it was, because, you know, just get back to 2-2 after half-time and momentum's with us and it just seemed to sap all the energy out of the game, didn't it? Because the next 15, 20 minutes after that, it just went very flat. Yeah, it was um, was disappointing. Um, The other side of that is that a friend of mine, who was stood closer to where the flare was, had an asthma attack from it and had to be treated by the medical staff at the at the end. Uh, my missus had to escort her um, to go and get attention, um, which was also very disappointing. Um, I don't think it's done with malice. I don't think that it's just a, a lack of thought more than anything. It's just uh, it's seen as sort of a laddish football fan behaviour. Um, and they probably didn't see the harm in it. And had the the Harrogate stewards acted a little bit quicker than they did, then there probably wouldn't have been that much harm in it. I just, it was, it was unnecessary and it did have a negative effect on us because we were just waiting around for the game to restart and it did sap a little bit of the momentum out of us. So... Yeah, it was it was disappointing, really, and hopefully it may sort of make them think twice. A and I don't know, it's it, it was disappointing, weren't it? I just I I just like to say that I don't really blame the Harrogate stewards for not going on and grabbing it because I don't know if you saw the video of the Rangers fan with one uh, celebrating their title 
win a few months ago. But there's a video where he was holding one and it exploded in his hand and his fingers went flying across um, Prince's Square or whatever it's called in Glasgow. So I don't really blame any Harrogate stewards for not like taking the risk to go and pick it up if that's the kind of thing that they can do. I know it's a rare case and you see kind of grounds on the continent where there's loads of them going off and nothing ever happens. But I, I just, I never think it looks, I never think it looks any good when it's like a, a Harrogate's ground where there's, 1800 on and do you know what I mean it, it's just not the same thing as like Istanbul and Besiktas versus Fenerbahce I just think it looks a bit tin pot I'm not going to lie so um, but I'm all for creating an atmosphere and I thought the atmosphere generally was good so Luke what did you think from kind of being sat a little bit away in, in your posh seats did you uh, did you wish you were in the away end with us singing up the dale not for sale and all that yeah of course I did um, I kept with the headphones that you've got it kind of blanks out like um like the environment noise and what have you so you can only really hear each other but um when I could get away with it I was kind of peeling one off one of my ears just to hear it when I could see the uh, the away end bouncing. Um I kind of said it when the players were coming out like I had goosebumps um because in fact I did they just had a little shiver then for going back to it because it was just good to see, you know, and, and from a Harrogate perspective, because obviously there was sat amongst all, all of them as well. And it was just nice to be, you know, back at, you know, a football ground where uh, fans were allowed back. But um, yeah, seeing, seeing all the Dale fans, like I just kept, like I said, just taking that headphone off a little bit just to hear them really. So um, yeah, it was good. It was good. So we were meant to be back at Harrogate on Tuesday night, obviously, for the EFL Cup, but that game was postponed due to um, some COVID, uh, positive COVID cases within the Harrogate camp. So um, Dale got a bye through to the next round and chaff. I mean, I don't know how much you want to say about Shrewsbury away in the next round, but that's probably the least exciting draw we could possibly have got. Yeah, if, it, if, if it's not the, the very worst draw we could have got, it's not far off. Um, I don't know what, I don't know about you lads, but when there's a when there's a cup draw on and a home team gets drawn out and it's one I don't I, I shout at the telly me and I'm like, no, I don't want that at all. And as soon as Shrewsbury came out, me and Layla just turned and said, Oh, we're gonna get these, aren't we? And then it came out and it yeah, awful. Won't be won't be going to that, won't be checking down there to that one, I don't think. Um it's as unglamorous a tie as you could possibly hope for, I think. Yeah. Luke, I think the EFL Cup, I don't know if you agree, but I think it might be on its last legs, to be honest. I mean, there's the fact that there's no prize money and up until the semi-finals this year is a bit of a kick in the teeth to lower league sides. And also, um, you know, a lot of the bigger clubs don't really like playing in it. It'd be a shame because it's given us some great moments over the years, including that, obviously, that famous night at Old Trafford. But it's probably on its last legs, isn't it, the EFL Cup? It feels over like you know with time developing like the bigger clubs. I don't think are respecting it like they once were. You know, I think they are truly. I think more and more teams are playing the second teams and the kids and whatnot. Um, do we know what the rationale is behind not um, no prize money up until the semis? Does that make potentially mean that there isn't as much money in it? There's not as much money getting put into it by the sponsors, that kind of thing, which says it all because football is driven by the money as well. So I think you're probably right, uh, which is a shame, really. But because, uh, like you say, no Dell fans are ever going to forget that night at Old Trafford, and um, that's for sure. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, maybe I think if you just fast forward three, four seasons, it might be glamorised as a different competition or, or not a competition at all, because I don't think the bigger clubs are that bothered about it. They don't get much recognition for it, you know, and it's all, generally speaking, it is generally the, the bigger clubs that end up in the semis, finals and winning it. I don't think they're even that bothered about it, in fairness, when they've got bigger targets. So yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but um, at least we have got that memory amongst us, haven't we, of... Um, Night at Old Trafford for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so focusing back on on kind of this season and and what's happened since we've last chatted, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, we hadn't made a single signing the last time we spoke, which was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we now have eight new signings to speak about. <laughs> Obviously, we can't really go into too much detail on all of them because many of many of them won't have been seen in the football league before, or will have only been seen in a couple of games. So we don't know too much about. A lot of them, but Chaff, what have you made of kind of the profile of players we're trying to bring in? It's one of those that could go either way, I suppose. They could all be, they could all be top, top class for League Two, or we could find ourselves struggling with some inexperienced players in the squad. We could do. There could be a couple of diamonds in there. Um, one thing that's very noticeable to me, apart from Danny Cashman, is that we the we. Are evidently aiming to bring in a bigger side, a more physical side. Um, Joel Coleman, six foot six, built like a WWE wrestler. And then after that, Josh Andrews, who's exactly the same size. We might have the tallest team we've ever had. You've got two players at six foot six. You've got Broadbent, six, six foot plus. You've got Taylor, who looks massive next to Jim. You've got Sam Graham, who's built like a brick toilet as well. It's a, he's evidently going for a more physical side in League One, and that, to me, says he's looked at the tapes from last year and thought, these look like a, a, a school team that are going to get bullied. And I think the fact that he's noticed that, and we all knew that anyway, is a really good thing. And I think it probably helps us trying to defend set pieces as well, um, having bigger players in there. I mean, O'Connell's going to get back in the side and he's going to look small next to Max Taylor. Um, even Corey O'Keefe's a, a, quite a big lad. Um, and yeah, that's that's the most noticeable thing for me. Um, there's, a, there's a distinct lack of experience there as well, but I don't necessarily see that as an issue. Um, I think we're going to need some experience at some point and I think he's um, alluded to that as well. He, he, he said he wants to he wants to add some experience to the scene, but they'll be hungry to impress, um, especially the, the lads on loan. O'Keefe will be wanting to to prove Mansfield wrong for letting him go out and Clough not picking him. Broadbent will want to impress to try and sort of push himself for a, a, a spot at Sheffield United. Um, and yeah, I've been encouraged. Um, I think it was getting to the point where we just wanted to see anybody come through. Otherwise, we were going to have to play our kids. Um, and yeah, I think it, overall, I think that the recruitment looks decent. We've lost some big players in Rathbone and Humphreys. Um, we expected to lose them, but it's it's good that we've managed to bring players in. And I, I, I fully expect a, another, at least one, maybe two players to come in before the end of the deadline. Yeah, Luke, do you think there'll be a couple more coming as well now or, or do you think maybe the business is done at this point? 
And if there are going to be more, what, what areas of the squad would you still be looking to strengthen? Um, I think there'll be more, and I, I, I think that it'll hope. Well, I also hope that it'll be more. Uh, it'll be on the permanent side of things as well. Um, I do think we need, even if these players are all good individuals and and, and can cut it in lead two, we can't have an over reliance on uh, you know a, a court. 11 of players who haven't got games behind them, I don't think. I think we need to complement this now with a bit more know-how and experience. Ideally, football league experience, but, um, you know, experience in, in any way I'd say now. I think we're good with regards to the kind of um, where we sit with the younger players. I like the profile of player that is brought in, like Chaff said, more physical, um, you know, young uh, the likes of Sam Graham coming in permanently, players who have got something to prove. Um, we definitely, as far as I'm concerned, never want to go back to that tag of, of being a club that kind of just recruits journeymen uh, for the last payday. That's definitely not a way that we're going to succeed. So I like the, the profile of player, but I do think now we just need to add it with a bit of experience. So I think, I think probably uh, another midfielder for me um, it would be the main one. Uh, in the middle of the park, you know, if you're going to go with a midfield three of Morley, Holding, Grant, and Dooley as a midfield two, um, it's a bit lightweight, and it might suit us in, in against some oppositions, but it'll definitely kind of hinder us, um, and and I think we'll struggle physically uh, with with the, that three. Um, Broadbent, Broadbent looks sizable, um, and going off, I'm quite surprised he didn't start actually going off Stockdale's kind of comments on him. It, it seemed like. Stockdale, Stockdale was um, kind of quite excited about Broadband and he was the number one target. Well, that's the impression that I got from watching his interview. So um, we'll probably will see more of him as the season goes on. But for me, yeah, a centre midfielder. Um, and that'll do me, really, to be fair. I'd be, I'd be quite content with that going into, you know, until January. It's a shame Broadband didn't get a better connection with that little half fancy <laughs> on a Saturday, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like it. Sorry, it's, ball, mate. <laughs> it's all right. No, it's all right. Um, I do agree with Luke. Middle of the pitch. Um, I'd love some experience in there. Um, a little bit sort of in the Jimmy Ryan mould in terms of experience and in lower league football. So, uh, looking down the, the list of release players, there's still a, there's still a few knocking about. I think um, the likes of John Joe O'Toole, for example, can play couple of different positions, vastly experienced. Um, Dean Furman turned down a contract to Oldham recently, etc. So there's, there's, there's players out there who can fill that role. I think, like Luke said, if we're going to go with a midfield three and that midfield three at the moment is Morley, Dooley and Grant, then I'm, it's, it's, it is a little bit lightweight, but it also means that, that Dooley and Grant are, players that really want to spend practically all of their time in, in the opposition half of the pitch. And that leaves a lot on Aaron Morley. So somebody who's, who could perhaps bring a little bit more energy to the defensive side of, of things, as well as being able to pass the ball would be really good. Um, and I also think we need another, we probably need another left-sided fullback as well. Because um, A.D. White looks like he's not quite up to match fitness yet, hence him going off. Um, he's played, what, 
50 odd games in five years or something like that. So he's evidently very injury prone. I know we've got Jimmy Keown, um, who can cover either side, but I'd, I'd, I'd love a left another left footed fullback to give Eddie White a bit of backup as well. I think because uh, I don't want Matt down there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it was O'Keefe, wasn't it, who, who kind of slotted in for the last 10, 15 minutes. But then obviously that meant Sam Graham playing at right back, which isn't his best position either. So another defensive option might not be a bad thing. Go on, Luke. I know, just going off on a tangent a little bit, but um, I quite liked O'Keefe. I uh, thought he was quite good going forward, linked up quite well with Newby. Um, I think one thing to watch out on is um, he looks quite weak in the air. He, he they, they, they seem to exploit that a, a few times when he when he switched across to uh, to left back. So I just think that's something to be mindful of with O'Keefe. Um, not meaning to kind of purposely criticise him because I quite I generally I thought he did well, but he looked very weak in the air. I thought. Yeah, I must admit I, I didn't notice or don't remember that, but um, I did think he I do remember thinking that he had a decent game. Uh, felt he grew into it. I actually felt he was better in the last. 15, 20 minutes when he was at left-back um, than he was at right-back. I felt he got on the ball a little bit more. and looks like he was trying to get forward. I don't know if that was because, as a team, we were trying to do that or what. But, um, yeah, not a bad debut from, from him. Um, it's been nice to talk a bit of football, lads, but I suppose we're going to have to bring it back round to kind of the off-field stuff, which continues to rumble on. Um, it, it, it changes every other day, it seems, the situation with this hostile takeover, which is what they're calling it themselves. So I think we have every right to. Um, Chaffee, we found out at the AGM, uh, at the fans forum, sorry, that there were comments made that, um, that, that, have been, that the club have complained about as, as um, offensive, uh, which they are, if, if they're true. Um, but that seems to have brought the, the situation into the public light a little bit more, doesn't it? Because we've now seen articles in the Telegraph and the MEN about what's happening at Dale with this potential takeover. Yeah, it's got people talking on it. Um, and you're right. Um, if those are the things that have been said, then they're unacceptable in this day and age. Uh, pretty much should be unacceptable in any day and age, but especially these days, you, you, you just can't say that. And anybody wanting to, to come in and take over a football club, have got to, they, they, they can't be going around saying anything of the sort. Um, we're a family-run club uh, that don't close their door to, to anybody in terms of wanting to get people through the through the turnstiles. Something like that could potentially do damage in that respect. Um, the, the bit about wanting to settle things in the ring what 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 does what does he think this is? Does does he think this is Rise of the Foot Soldier or something? Um, not that's not what I want to hear from anybody wanting to come into our club. That is very it's, it's very defensive. It's offensive to to people as well, and it's just out of order. It's at, it's just ridiculously out of order so the fact that it's been in the press is good um because it's starting to show more of what these people are like and they can say one thing their actions all all paint a different picture like this has 
Um, and it's, it's good to see MPs coming out against it. It's good to see the the, the backlash that, that they've faced as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit sick of talking about this, this takeover, but it's evidently not going away and the hard work continues from all parties, like the Supporters Trust, for example, who've done an amazing job so far, as we say pretty much every podcast now. Um, and yeah, we've just got to do what we can do. Um, up the day or not for sale, as the chant went and the Twitter page that's covering momentum all the time. We, we've just got to keep going and we don't want people like that coming into the football club uh, and controlling things. The season ticket slogan was, this is my club or this is our club. It is, it's ours, it's not theirs at all. They do not, we don't want that type of of person coming in and controlling our football club. Um, And it's, it is, it's, it's scary. The, the the fact that the, it, it could happen. And, yeah, we've just got to be extra vigilant. The show that the, there seems to be a bit of a, a stalemate at the minute. They've not got enough shares even to to have a controlling stake at the moment, and we just need to hope that they don't get that to that point, and we we can fight it off still. Some of the work going in on things like the forum and and stuff like that from certain people who are bringing every detail to, to light is, is is really good. Um, and I just hope that as a fan base, our efforts are, are rewarded. Um, I was having a conversation this morning with a mate of mine and we both agreed, I would rather us be playing the likes of Curzon Ashton and Hyde United as the football club that we are rather than playing league football with Rongans in charge. So whatever happens, happens. But yeah, action will have to be taken. And yeah, fingers crossed. Luke, given kind of this this new revelation with the, those comments that were made in the meeting with the EFL, um, given that, the, like Chaff mentioned there, we don't normally kind of push people towards a message board. Um, but... I genuinely think everyone should go and read the message board every day at the moment for the information that's coming out. Do, do things like that make you feel more confident that even if, you know, um, the, these investors uh, get get the required amount of shareholding, that they'll struggle to to pass that EFL fit and proper test, the much maligned EFL fit and proper test? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't tend to go on the forum, um, but I have been checking it every day for for the posts that have been uh, getting getting released with regards to the background checks that's been um, that's been done on on, on the said people. And um, it's honestly, it's truly it's mind boggling, but it's fascinating at the same time around kind of the intricacies about behind kind of the money movement and and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that this is out in the wider public domain now. This isn't just kind of within the circle of people that have a vested interest in the football club. This is out there now in the football community as well, which is good because all it does is 
Um, it shines the the spotlight on people that you can only imagine really don't want that spotlight to be on them. Um, are they at a point where they had that advance that from a financial perspective, it still just wouldn't make sense to walk away? That's what worries me. It seems like that's the case because they are coming out and responding to comments in, you know, in the MEN today, for example. I think at the same time, every time you put a microphone in front of them, um, they seem to be talking up in one way or another. So it's kind of like, you know what? Go on, have your say. Have your say and talk yourself out of this even more. Um, that's how it feels. So the, the thing I'm worried about as well is I have no confidence in the EFL. This fit and proper person's test is a lot, excuse my language, is a lot of bullshit. Steve Dale, Dale passed that test. Stuart Day passed that, that test. You know, other football club owners have passed that test. And we aren't a Portsmouth who have got the fan base to kind of, you know, bring the club from nothing to, to, to being a big club really quickly again. Or, you know, we, we haven't got that. That, that size to us. We've got the quality in our fan base to kind of try and defend ourselves against things like this, but we haven't got the size to protect ourselves as much as what we want to. That's just what we are. Um, but, yeah, I have no confidence in the, um, the, 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 you know, the football league, basically, to, to kind of make sure that they're doing their job. Um, so the spotlight's on them, and rightly so. I just thought they'll crumble on it and do, you know, do the wrong thing. They've got to kind of do what they're meant to be doing. And um, in doing that, they've probably got to do stuff that they're not used to kind of doing, if that makes sense. They've got to, you know, I have a, I have an impression in my mind of people that work for the FA and the EFL. And this might be wrong, but just people that just kind of, you know, love a freebie, you know, swanning around, enjoying kind of, you know, football matches, not really doing much in the week. You've got to work now. You know, the, this department have got to work and, and, and protect us. You know, they've got to regulate us and, you know, they, they've got to kind of play their part, hopefully, in kind of, um, whilst they are kind of, they can't be, um, they've got to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they can't take sides but they've got to kind of do the right thing. And I believe, you know, if they did the right thing, that would be by sticking by the football club uh, at present rather than allowing any external investment uh, from people who at the moment in time cannot demonstrate where their money's coming from and what their intentions are with the football club. Absolutely agree. Um, and also, you know, I felt that this was maybe a chance for them to repair some of the reputational damage um, after the Berry debacle. Um, and yet it doesn't seem like they're, they're willing to do that or certainly they're not willing to do that with any kind of haste um, I don't know if any of either of you watched the Al Jazeera documentary that's kind of been doing the rounds on Twitter um, it's very much worth a watch uh, for Rochdale fans and for all football fans I would say and I think it shows just how easy it can be to circumvent that fit and proper test and circumvent the financial fair play rules and circumvent everything that the FL are trying to put in place to uh, make this kind of a fairer league and, and, a, and a place where clubs are owned by people that the fans want owning them. Um, and I think that's what it comes down to. I think the FL, like you said, they can't take sides, but they have to realise it has to be shown to them that there isn't a single Rochdale fan who's in favour of this takeover as far as I've seen. Not a single one. That surely has to count for something. And I don't think it does, unfortunately. 
on your point about the Al Jazeera documentary, that's what I was going to bring up then. Um, and off the point that Luke made about the EFL and how stringent their, their tests are and stuff like that. I think this documentary should hopefully spark them into, into life and make it even more difficult to become the owner of a, of a football club um, and avoid the, the negative press that will be coming out about the EFL, which has been out since the, the Berry and Bolton situation. Um, they've, they've got to, they've got to make it foolproof as much as they possibly can. Um, because that documentary highlighted just how easy it can be for dodgy people to come into football clubs. I mean, some of the, the stuff that were going on in, in that documentary was, was frightening, like change, people changing names. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling that that can be allowed to happen and that nothing's nothing's done about it. And surely to God, they've got to put these tests in, in place and, and make them difficult to... It shouldn't be easy to take over a football club. It shouldn't be easy. It should be a difficult thing to come in and do because taking over a football club is huge and the future of that football club depends on who's ultimately at the top of it. And that can't be a decision that's that's made easily. Yeah, it, that hopefully that documentary will highlight just how wrong it can go and just make them a little bit more willing to, to do what's right for the football club rather than the, the, the people wanting to, to buy those football clubs. I'm only partway through. I was watching it with all men and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite sophisticated how they were doing it, you know, and, and to a certain extent, I'm quite impressed with it, you know, because they can turn the illegitimate to the legitimate, you know, but it shows how, it shows what's happening. Um, and I don't think this is any different the only thing that I would say is the chat that's brokering the deal in relation to us doesn't appear to be as established uh, or sophisticated or as intelligent as what the people that have been manipulating the bigger clubs, you know, in, in times gone by. Um, you know, so that, that gives me a little bit of hope as well when you compare the two. Um, but it is, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So yeah, I recommend it. It's yeah, I've learned quite a bit from it. Yeah, definitely. Um, one for all Dale fans to, to um, catch in the next couple of days if you can. And, and just another thing to mention before we move on, um, the trust are now offering uh, fans a chance to do like a, a monthly donation towards like a ring fence fund to buy shares with. So I think that's something that if any fan can afford it, whatever they can afford, it can only be helpful um, because even if we manage to kind of fight off this takeover bid, there's a lot of shares there that are not unaccounted for but are in the hands of people who clearly don't want them. Um, so if you can if you can give to that or even if you can give like as a one-off donation, I think that would be a brilliant way to um, to show your support for the trust and what they're trying to do at the minute in, fact, in trying to fight this off. Um, we'll just very quickly, since we're running out of time a little bit, Look forward to the to the next couple of games. We're back at Scotland for a league game for the first time in God knows how long um, on Saturday. 
Scunthorpe United, followed by Forest Green a few days later. Um, Shaft, what are we hoping to see as an improvement from Harrogate going into those couple of games? Um, we just need to be better defensively. Um, and I think that'll come over time once we once the, the new players start to gel into the squad. Um, there's been a lot of upheaval in that squad this this summer, and I think people need to be patient with it. Um, it was never going to be the finished article from day one. So, and it's it, I saw plenty of positives on Saturday. I, I want the same attacking intent, um, and yeah, I don't think we'll we'll go far wrong. Really, I'm buzzing to be back in Scotland, back in the Standard Lane, and let's face it, we're all buzzing for kebabs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, Luke, how are you feeling ahead of going back to Scotland? Any changes you'd like to see to the team? I think we're kind of all hoping that O'Connell will be fit enough to start, though, aren't we? Yeah, I think the, the main one is O'Connell coming in. Um, I think there is obviously going to be a, a very close battle for the number one spot. Uh, I don't think Jay Lynch did much wrong on Saturday, so I think it'd be harsh to kind of replace him at this stage but um, there's that to think about but yeah if we can get O'Connell in there O'Connell in for Jim and I'm quite happy with that as long as everyone's fit because um, like I say you know going forward I feel as though we're fine we were dangerous and you know that gives us options on the bench as well so um, you know plenty more of the good stuff and I just think we just need to just tweak a few stuff around kind of if it was individual battles I thought you know there were three soft goals and at the end of the day and, and, and very preventable goals and what was quite refreshing is that actually the manager came out and said that and he, he came out with an honest kind of review and assessment of the game I thought that was quite uh, quite refreshing and I think you know bizarrely for what we've been used to you know a lot of fans actually take kindly to that even though it's kind of talking about the negatives um, but but yeah you know that was quite refreshing so I don't think we need to kind of you know overreact in any way it was the first game of the season I think if we won 3-0 We'd all be buzzing, that's for sure, but it's still important not to overreact because there's been so much change. We're in a new league, we've got a new team, we've got a new board, you know, we've got a new menu at Scotland. We can't get too carried away. The first kebab might be brilliant, but on Tuesday, what's it going to be like? Saturday's leftovers, or is it going to be fresh again? Do you know what I mean? So you got to, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, you just got to, we've got to enjoy it, haven't we? We're back in, aren't we? So let's just enjoy it. Yeah, I've got to just mention it on the on the new menu. I think it's been like 52, 53 episodes of this podcast and I've not had the chance to say as a vegetarian yet. So let me do that. As a vegetarian, it is, a, it is really good to see a few options on the menu because honestly, it is a nightmare at most grounds. So that's a, that's a real positive for me. I think me and about three other vegetarian Dale fans. Um, so lads, we will finish with uh, our game as always. I thought the last one was a little bit too easy, so I've made it a little bit harder this time around. And uh, what it is, is um, one of our previous managers, actually, I did some research before, and it turns out f- about four of our previous managers have had the first home win against Scunthorpe. Um, the last one of those was Steve Eyre in 2011. So it was uh, a 1-0 victory for Rochdale on the 13th of September 2011. Chaff, I'm going to assume, as always, that you won last time. So Chaff, you can go first. Uh, and then, Luke, you can go after that. So we're looking for any player from the squad, from the Rochdale squad, from that game against Scunthorpe in 2011. OK, that's going back a bit. Um, Steve, uh, Ashley Grimes. Ashley Grimes is correct. 
Barry Jones. Correct. Who else was shit? Neil Trotman. Uh, oh, no. No Neil Trotman. Uh, Luke... Oh, they've been dropped by that point. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> Luke, do you, want to, uh, do you want to finish off with a winner? Uh... Oh, no. I'm so sorry Neil Trotman was on the bench. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I've just scrolled so down. You're back in, Jeff. You're back in. Jeff, you're back in, I'm yeah. Back in. Trotman was on the bench, my bad. David Ball. David Ball, correct. Okay, watch my next one be wrong now. Um, Stephen Darby. Correct. Jason Kennedy. Yep, scored the only goal of the game. Who'd have been in that? Jake Keane. Correct. Because he was bad. Uh, oh. Dean Holden? No, no, Dean Holden. I think he came in um, under uh, Coleman later in the season, or maybe Chris Beach. But yeah, uh, Chaff, do you want to finish it off if you can? Get, I was trying to think of positions. I was going to go left back, Joe Widdowson. Yeah, Joe Widdowson is correct. Oh, so Chaff reigns supreme once again. I'll just quickly run through the 16. Uh, so we had Jake Keenan goal, Pim Balkestein, Stephen Darby. Marcus Holness, Joe Widowson, Gary Jones, Jason Kennedy, Andrew Tutt, Ashley Grimes, Jean-Louis Aparapro, David Ball was a starting eleven, And then on the bench, we had David Lucas, Neil Trotman, Brian Barry Murphy, Matt Barnes-Homer and Reese Gray. So, uh, well done, Shaf. Um, all that's left for me to say, as always, is, uh, well, I'll just say thank you for listening because um, it's good to be talking about football again. And I know this has been a little bit longer than normal, but that's what happens when we've got Dale games to talk about. And hopefully next week we'll have a couple of wins as well. So uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you as always, Chaff. Nice one, Dean. Thank you very much. And cheers, Luke. Yeah, cheers, lads. Catch you all next time. Up the Dale.